Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And UDO Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. UDOBooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org. And on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 831. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the Talking Birds listening audience this morning. And moms, we have a little present for you. It's the Dawn Chorus. That's in case you weren't able to get out and hear it yourself. Maybe you're having breakfast in bed this morning. The Dawn Chorus, a wonderful part of spring made possible in part by the wonders of migration and the arrival of birds from places like the Neotropics. Meanwhile... Out in the warbler capital of the world in northwest Ohio, the biggest week in American birding is underway. It's virtual this year, so all can take part. One of the presenters this year is our own Freya McGregor. And we'd have her on uh, with us to talk about her birdability workshop presentation, along with Virginia Rose that she's hosting today, except for the fact that she's starting that presentation right now. As we begin our show live here at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. But we can all still watch that workshop by signing up for The Biggest Week. Presentations are being recorded so they can be enjoyed for, I think, the rest of May. But we'll check on that. More about that coming up this morning. And then there are the cicadas. Yeah, they're popping up now in full force with many as a trillion individuals in big population patches from Long Island, New York, through Indiana and eastern Illinois and down to northern Georgia. Cicada brood 10, 17 years in the making. Scary to some people, but quite harmless, we're told, to humans. In fact, they are edible for humans. Uh, Apparently, there are recipes online... And Smithsonian entomologist Floyd Shockley says that if you spice them right, they kind of taste like shrimp. Mmm. All right. Well, let's see. We have a mystery bird preview here. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. And if you were listening to our show last week, you have a leg up because we heard that bird last week on our show. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. little preview here continuing with the description of our bird. A stocky, glossy, all-black bird with a heavy bill, sturdy legs, and broad wings. Our bird feeds on fish and crustaceans and eggs and insects and fruits and berries, to name a few items on its wide-ranging Menu. It's found usually close to water, a resident of the Atlantic coast mostly, Massachusetts to Florida, and along the Gulf Coast west 
to Texas. A little preview of our mystery bird contest coming up a bit later in our show. We have a conservation cautious optimism note of the week in the form of this headline. Climate pledges see world closing in on Paris goal. Scientists working on the Paris Climate Accord say that recent pledges by the U.S. and other nations could help cap global warming at the critical point of 2 degrees Celsius by the end of the century, although only if goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050 succeed. So the world is currently set to overshoot the Paris Accords target by almost a full degree, but researchers say that if the countries that make up almost three-quarters of global emissions meet their pledged or discussed net zero goal, then the two-degree target could be met. So a note of cautious optimism about meeting the Paris Climate Accords goals of fighting off the most disastrous disastrous effects of global climate change. And now we salute some very special people. They are Talking Birds listeners who have become Talking Birds ambassadors, helping us to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. And thank you to Lori P. from Auburn, California. She says, been birding since the 70s. Love birds, bird conservation, and Talking Birds. Well, thank you so much, Lori. Thank you to Allison Chesley from Chicago, Illinois. She says, I'm a professional cellist. I record my own music and tour, although not for the past year, and also teach. My sister, Lee, who I just signed up, is a big birder and turned me on to it. She's a cabinet maker in the Bay Area. The birds have been and always will be such a source of inspiration and consolation for me. And speaking of Lee, thank you to Lee Chesley from Sebastopol, California, She says, I always learn something new from your show and get inspired to spend more time out and about with my binoculars. Well, thank you, Lee. So Talking Birds listeners, we're inspired by Lee and Allison and Lori, and we hope you will pick up on their enthusiasm and consider joining our Talking Birds ambassadors family. Very easy to do. When you sign up, we'll send you some of our little Talking Birds show info cards, and you can hand them out to friends and neighbors and fellow birders at your convenience. And that's about it. Really easy to sign up. Just click on the Get Involved tab at the top of the homepage. They're at TalkingBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll be thrilled to welcome one of the true superstars of the birding world, the author of numerous books, including some of the best field guides on the planet. Ken Kaufman will be here with us. Plus, we'll catch up with another superbly talented author. That would be Mike O'Connor. Joining us for a Mother's Day Let's Ask Mike segment, almost live from the archive, about great single mothers of the bird world. And up next, maybe the best bird mom of them all is our featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. For Mother's Day a few years ago, National Audubon set out to choose the best bird mother. They created a number of categories, including coolest bird mother, which they said was the least turn. It cools off its broods with cold, ocean-soaked belly feathers. Others highlighted were the prothonotary warbler, the barn swallow, 
the Wilson's phalarope, and the surrogate mom using brown-headed cowbird. But their choice as best overall bird mother was the osprey. Thanks to the fact that osprey moms do most of the incubating and dote on their chicks for weeks after they hatch and provide aggressive nest defense. And don't hesitate to keep, for example, human visitors away by strafing those who get too close. I think there should have been more to that, but uh, the osprey seems to have flown right in the middle of that uh, report about, uh, about her. Well, so be it. Congratulations nonetheless, uh, Osprey, for being chosen as the world's best bird mother. All right. Well, moving right along, that gives us extra time to introduce our guest and to talk with him. Ken Kaufman is a writer, artist, photographer, world traveler, and renowned bird expert. He has written or co-written a dozen books on nature, including his own Kaufman Field Guides series and the classic Kingbird Highway. He's a field editor for National Audubon, a fellow of the American Ornithological Society, and he's a recipient of the American Birding Association's Lifetime Achievement Award twice. He lives in the warbler capital of the world in northwest Ohio, and he joins us from there right now to talk about spring migration. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Ray. It's good to be back. It's wonderful to uh, have you back after after all this time. And you're, you're, I think you just dashed out, if I'm not mistaken, to see what is going on out there. Where you, I guess you're right near McGee Marsh Boardwalk? Oh, that's right, yeah. We live uh, very close to McGee Marsh and uh, Black Swamp Bird Observatory. And uh, I made a quick run outside. It's uh, starting to rain. But at this time of year, there's so many birds moving through that if it rains on a rainy day, you get out in a gap between the rainstorms and the birds are just super active they're mm-hmm. they're having to feed and so the rain stops and they're just out and they're they're really easy to approach well it's a legendary spot there of course where people get incredible up close views of of warblers and and other uh, migrants coming through all part of that whole area there right or the black swamp along the shores of lake erie that's right. The uh, the whole Lake Erie shoreline here uh, from uh, Toledo east uh, toward Cleveland is, is great for concentrations of spring migrants. And the great thing about this area is that there are so many protected uh, areas, state parks, uh, national wildlife refuge, state uh, wildlife areas. So there's an abundance of, of good habitat areas to uh, for the public to get out and look for birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, Ken, I read that you didn't really get focused on birds and birding until the age of six. Uh, why so late? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I've, you know, I've always re- regretted those wasted years before <laughs> when I was just like reading about dinosaurs and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I was just really lucky to uh, become enthralled with nature at a very early age. And then the the birds took the top spot when I was about six, mm-hmm. and I, I've just been so so blessed because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, in your most uh, recent book, A Season on the Wind, Inside the World of Spring Migration, which is just fabulous, uh, by the way, you talk about how folks often asked you why, as a birder, you moved from the birdie land of Arizona uh, to Ohio. I was going to say, how did you answer them, but maybe you just answered it there, but what else would you say about that? <laughs> well, 
Um, you know, I can go on all day about how this is uh, such a great area for spring migration, and it's all true. And actually, spring and fall migration, just amazing numbers of birds come through here. Um, but actually, the, the honest answer is that uh, I met this girl uh, named Kimberly, and she <laughs> lived in northwestern Ohio, and she was already involved with this Black Swamp Bird Observatory. And so once we realized we were going to get together you know, I was working as a freelance writer, and um, I could live anywhere. Mm-hmm. But so I decided, well, I'll, I'll just move there, be in this, this <laughs> epicenter for migration. All right, makes sense. We'll talk more about uh, Kimberly uh, in a in a minute or two here. When we talked the other day, uh, Ken, you mentioned that people are always curious about the timing of migration, and for example, why some migrating species arrive significantly earlier in the spring than others do, and. I think that how far they have to travel is a factor in that, but what else uh, do we know about that? Yeah, well, it's, it's a fascinating thing, and it's um, after you've been birding for a while and you uh, sort of learn the sequence of birds coming through, it's just this wonderful thing. It's like listening to a long piece of music that's a favorite, and you know that certain pa- passages are coming up and certain elements, and you you know, you know sort of wait for them to arrive, mm-hmm. but in the meantime, you enjoy the rest of the music, too, and so... Uh, yeah, we have some birds uh, here in Ohio. The migration starts in the middle of February. The first birds coming back, killdeers and crows and then American woodcocks. And then um, the the last of the migration is in early June. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's spread out over months and certain things showing up at certain times. There are, uh, in some cases, you can explain the timing of migration. Like among the, the warblers, those beautiful, colorful little songbirds that are the the highlight here. We get more than three dozen different species of warblers passing through. Uh, The yellow-rumped warblers show up first, and that's partly because they winter in the southern United States, and they can survive eating berries if there are no insects available. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the last ones to come through are uh, the Connecticut warbler, Canada warbler, and that's partly because they're wintering down in South America. So often the, the birds that are coming the longest distance uh, show up last. Mm-hmm. Of course, we, we think about climate change now and how, what, the, what effect that is having on the timing of migration. Uh, maybe a, a whole other topic for us to get to if we can get you back here on the show again, Ken. But in your book that we just uh, talked about, A Season on the Wind, the topic threading all through the book is about wind turbines and some of the battles in which you engage to keep them from being built in some very sensitive areas. Could you give us a little quick thumbnail about that and maybe about some good news that you got in 2017 about a particular sighting? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am not opposed to wind power. We mm-hmm. need uh, clean, renewable energy, and I think wind power is one good way to achieve that. But location makes so much of a difference. Uh, there are, um, any place you put up this, this gigantic tower with spinning blades on it, a few birds are going to be killed, and that's, you know, just, just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some places where there are such concentrations of birds that it could really be a disaster for wildlife. And where we are now, um, the Lake Erie shoreline, there are millions of birds that stop over there, that use that as stopover habitat. Um, so uh, we we went through a long battle to stop a wind turbine project um, on a military installation near here, right on the Lake Erie shoreline, right next to some of the best uh, habitat for migratory birds. And 
ultimately actually succeeded in getting that project stopped. Mm-hmm. Really, it's not just a matter of, of saying not in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind having them in my backyard, um, especially the the house we lived in previously, because we were away from the lake shore, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't have been such a critical area for the birds. So mm-hmm. it's just thinking about the most important bird habitats, trying to keep wind power out of those spots. Indeed. Well, Ken, you'll be giving a talk tonight entitled Secret Superheroes of the Birding World. Uh, without giving away too many secrets, can you give us a quick uh, preview of that? Uh, sure. Well, I, th- I think that, that your listeners deserve to be let in on the secret here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave it that title uh, just to be sort of to, to pique people's curiosity. But it's actually talking about uh, certain figures who have been incredibly important in the history of ornithology and birding and bird conservation. And uh, the people I'm going to be focusing on are all women. Mm-hmm. There's so much attention paid to the guys, you know, right. John James Audubon and Roger Tory Peterson. And, you know, they deserve some credit. But there were also these amazing women who were mm-hmm. pushing the field forward and making amazing contributions. And I thought, uh, you know, that, that's a subject that I really uh, love to have a chance to talk about. Mm-hmm. And by the way, people can still sign up for the biggest week, right? Including the fact that they can see recordings of stuff they've already uh, missed uh, in, in the live form, but is that going through through May? Uh, that, that's right. Uh, people can still uh, sign up, and um, I mean, I signed up for some where there were two programs happening at the same time. I signed up for both uh-huh. because I can watch the recordings later. <laughs> sure, uh, and they're actually eventually going to have. It, it takes a little bit of time, but they're going to have closed captioning, so that these will mm-hmm. be accessible even for people who are hearing impaired. They can watch the videos of these and see the closed captioning. And I believe that um, all of these are going to be accessible uh, through the end of June for anyone who signs up. So uh, the the event is going on through tomorrow, and I really encourage people to to take a look. It's it's very inexpensive. And uh, you become a member of Black Swan Brood Observatory, and you get the whole Mm -hmm. thing for free. Very, very cool. And just do a quick search for Biggest Week in American Birding online. Pretty easy to find. Ken Kaufman is the originator and editor of the Kaufman Field Guides, one of the world's best-known bird experts. His latest book is A Season on the Wind, Inside the World of Spring Migration. And I have to say, if you only read one book about bird migration this summer, you couldn't do better than this one. A Season on the Wind, Inside the World of Spring Migration. Ken, there's about 900 other topics I'd like to ask you about, but I hope you'll come back again, and maybe we can uh, maybe we can do that. Okay, well, thanks, Ray. I'll look forward to that. Thank you, Ken. Well, we'd like to give a big thank you today to our friends from Beautio Books because they renewed their support of our Talking Birds show. Thank you, Beautio Books. We're about to hear a brief message for and about them, followed by some inspiring words from a Pennsylvania Talking Birds ambassador, and then it's our mystery bird contest, and that's in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. 
My name is Jessica Allen, and I'm from Palmyra, Pennsylvania. If you find yourself sharing a story you've heard on Talking Birds, or you've laughed out loud during a segment, or thought about a conservation issue long after the show ends, you're probably someone who recognizes the value in the content, like I did, and you'd make a great ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. We're listening for our mystery bird here. I'm sure it's... There it is. <laughs> I knew it would show up. Our mystery bird is a stocky, glossy, all-black bird with a heavy bill, sturdy legs, and broad wings. Our bird feeds on fish, crustaceans, eggs, insects, fruit, and berries, to name a few items on its wide-ranging menu. It's usually found close to water and is a resident mostly of the Atlantic coast from Massachusetts to Florida and along the Gulf Coast west to Texas. Some clues in the sound of our mystery bird and beautiful prizes here in the offing, including the Droll Yankees Ruby Sipper Hummingbird Feeder, a perfect pairing of whimsical fun and practical performance, and its eye-catching ruby red color attracts hummingbirds instantly. Bonus prize is a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the largest selections of bird books in the world. So a couple of beautiful prizes there on our Mystery Bird Contest and the all-important phone number, which we'll call, or which we hope you'll call as soon as you can, is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900 for our Mystery Bird Contest. Meanwhile... Almost live from the archive. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Down to Cape Cod, Orleans to be specific, down there on Route 6A, not far from the Rotary and the famous Birdwatchers General Store, operated by Mr. Mike O'Connor, who is with us on the phone right now, I believe, with a Mother's Day edition of uh, Let's Ask Mike Live. Good morning, Mike. I'm about that. A Mother's Day edition. Yeah. Didn't why even, not? Why not is right. Because you know why? Because it's Mother's Day. Oh, oh I didn't even know that. That's oh, yeah, why we right, uh, right. kind of did it. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's my thoughts. So yes. Today is, is Mother's Day, and I think we all see uh, our cardinal couples and robin yeah. couples coming and feeding their babies in those open cup nests. Mm. And they work very hard as pairs, but there's a lot of mothers or a lot of bird mothers that don't get any help from the lazy male. They come up and they, they breed with the male and then the mother goes off and builds a nest like wild turkeys 
like a lot of ducks. Woodcocks are another one where the female does all the work. And one of my favorite ones are the common mergansers. The common mergansers uh, mate with the male, then the female finds usually a nest cavity, an old woodpecker cavity, and then she lays the eggs inside, kind of like what the wood ducks do. And she incubates, builds a nest by herself. She incubates the eggs by this herself. And she flies down and the hicks, the hicks chack, <laughs> hatch. And then, say, and then they, they hop down and she leads them all by herself to the water and protects them from predators and broods them. But the fun part is that the chicks, and I think we've seen this a little bit on, on you know, some magazines and things, that when the chicks get tired, then they, she actually, they climb up in her back. She's like the original minivan where the kids get up on the, on the mother and she swims around and takes the chicks. But the, the one bird that works the hardest, I think, is the ruby-throated hummingbird. Again, the female will mate with the male, and then she builds, and that's a lot of these birds, like ducks, they just kind of pull some feathers out and make a little impression, but she finds a nest. She has to build a nest from scratch. She puts lichen along the side to hide it, to give it some protection, some uh, camouflage. She lays two eggs, and where it's uh, duck chicks feed themselves, they swim around, and the mother really doesn't have to provide any food for them. But her chicks are like baby, like baby cardinals or baby chickadees. They're born naked and blind, and she has to go and find food for them. And it's really tiny insects, and she has to feed them until they grow and keep them warm at night and keep them protected. And she does this all by herself. And and that and that's after a flying whatever many thousands of miles from the tropics. She wow. has to do that and then pack up and head out again. So that's that's my Mother's Day salute to the single mothers who work even harder. Motherhood is hard, but single motherhood is even harder and some birds do it all by themselves, so salute to them. Wow. This, I can't remember for sure. Is it the eastern bluebird in which the male apparently tries to bring some twigs to the nest but usually drops them on the way? Yeah, you know, some guys just aren't mechanical and handy. <laughs> they try, but, you know, they're better off in the office. Thank you, Mike. Talk okay, to you next, we'll talk to you next talk week. Talk to you next week. Mike O'Connor there at the Bird Watchers General Store, the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. As you can as you can hear, we're back at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify the bird that you hear right there. And um, I believe we have Kristen in a beautiful place called Marshfield, uh, Massachusetts. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning. How are Good you morning. today, Ray? I'm doing well. Thanks for ca calling in. Happy Mother's Day, whether you're a mom or not. And um, what do you think our mystery bird is, Kristen? Um, well, um, I was wondering if it could be the fish crow. Uh, it could be the fish crow. And Wait, it is the fish crow. Oh, no <laughs> Yeah, virtually identical to the American crow, except for that very distinctive sound, the fish crow. Hey, would you like to do a bonus question? I think we have time for it. It's kind of a Mother's Day <laughs> bonus question. <laughs> I'll give it my best shot. All right, I, I, that's all you need to do. This is, you know, <laughs> Mother's Day is about love, so it's kind of a love question. Who said there is no remedy for love but to love more? Was it A, John Keats, B, 
Emily Dickinson, C. Henry David Thoreau, or D. Fred Hallmark. There was one of those uh, people there. What do you think? Uh, I'll go with D. Thoreau. Oh, that's actually C, but that's okay because oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, the letter doesn't count. Henry David Thoreau oh, said good. that. <laughs> I should have just gone with letter seven. That's all right. You did real good right. there. Thank you so much, Kristen. Stay on the line. Thank we'll get you. get your info. Thank you so much, Kristen. Correctly all identifying right. the fish crow and Henry David Thoreau. That's it for our show this week. Coming up next week, Sebastian Moreno from a wonderful group called Latino Outdoors will be our special guest right here on our show next week. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And UDO Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. UDOBooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook. Ocean State Bird Club.